The Tom Woods Show, episode 1732. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. We're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse today. And if you don't know that name, I guess you are not following the news whatsoever. But if you don't know that name, you will after today. Because what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin has been discussed all over the place by people from all ideological backgrounds. And we're trying to make sense of what really happened and uh, who's in the right and who's in the wrong and how do we assess the situation. We're going to describe for you exactly what happened and get the details from the person whose footage we all saw on national media. And that is my guest today, Kristan Harris of The Rundown Live. TheRundownLive.com is the site to visit. You can listen to The Rundown Live online and also on terrestrial radio. Kristan has been an investigative journalist for some time, and, well, he sure landed something very, very important here with the footage that he got on that fateful night. Kristan, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tom. It's been a while since we chatted. I think last time we talked, you were on the Rundown Live, and uh, it was a memorable episode. Uh, it was epic by us because <laughs> you started dancing. There was like a snake in the grass, and all of a sudden you got up, and you're like, and Mike and I were like, what's going on? Tom Woods is dancing. He's like, snake in the grass. <laughs> now, I lived in Kansas at the time. I was sitting out on my porch doing that interview with you guys. I didn't remember this part of it, that there was that suddenly a snake appeared from out of nowhere. <laughs> Good. But it's those little Good things grief. that that make the program uh, genuine. I think that's something the mainstream is lacking is genuine news and seeing something so simple. That's a real life scenario that you don't think about. Like I could be doing this podcast with you and a mouse could run by on my keyboard and I'd be doing the same thing, you know? Well, look, I, I know people want us to talk about the, the topic at hand, but I can't resist telling you that I think maybe you have the second best moment in my history of interviewing. The first best was a podcast with a, a fellow named Alan Mosley because I got up for a minute before we started recording. I get up, I have a home office here and I walked out the door of the office to go do something. When I came back, I realized I had somehow locked myself out of my own <laughs> office and I'm Jimmy in that thing and whatever. And I'm, and I'm shouting through the door I'll be there as soon as I can. I've locked myself out. That bastard was recording. And so in his best of for the year, he includes this footage of me shouting into the office that I'm locked out. Oh, man. All right. Now on to, you know, <laughs> the events of the day. Yeah, 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 indeed, indeed. Well, you really are the person to talk to. I, I had in mind somebody else, and that somebody else said to me, well, how about the guy who actually got the footage that everybody is using. How about that guy? So I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll take that guy. And then it turns out, wait a minute, I know that guy. I've been on his show. So, all right, give me, because I don't want you to give away all the punchlines and all the, the arguments and whatever. I want you to give me the two or three sentence overview of what this Kyle Rittenhouse incident was all about. And then we're going to unpack some of the details. But for somebody who came out of a coma, and was it from the past couple of weeks and doesn't know anything, give us the two to three sentence explanation of what, just the basics of what happened, and then we'll we'll get into the details. Well, obviously, uh, there was an officer involved shooting here in Milwaukee, and I was on scene about an hour or a few hours after one of the local uh, guys that do what I do, citizen journalism, Corey Elijah, was down there, and 
basically people started protesting and within three days they started burning down the city. So uh, there was a call by local, I can't say they're militia, but they may be militia, to guard local businesses. And there were two or three locations that these individuals were standing by. And at that point, I already had two days of footage of police shooting tear gas and cherry bombs and M80s at the cops and things on fire. I figured I'd try to cover a different story. So obviously what happened is things escalated and there's a lot of details there on how things escalated. And uh, obviously two people were shot and died and one person was uh, injured. And so everyone has an opinion on what really happened that day. Right. Now you have, okay, so what, so you were there? I was there, yeah. I took the, in fact, the footage that you're seeing on almost every MSN or major uh, news network from the police officer getting head, hit in the head with a brick to them handing out bottles of water, the police to the armed citizens, that was all me. And the, in fact, the, the reason why they know Kyle Rittenhouse's first name is because I got that on video. So. Holy cow. Now, so how'd they get it? Because it it, it's just publicly available? Well, yeah, I was streaming live on Facebook at the time and YouTube, uh, the Rundown Live, and it went viral. And by the time I was there the third day, I already had three or four million views of uh, prior clips. And so basically, other citizen journalists that were taking it, chopping it up, and people on Twitter were sharing it, and everything was going crazy viral. It just so happened, as usual, like I have been, I was in the right place at the wrong time, wrong place at the right time. Depends on who you ask. It's just a journalist gut instinct. Well, I, you know, I think back to that Covington Catholic High School student thing, you know, in Washington, D.C., where Nicholas Sandman was accused of um, mocking a Native American and all the students were accused of mocking this man and all that. And then, then there was just plain old footage of what happened with no commentary, just footage. And you could watch it from anywhere in the world and see for yourself what really happened. And I sat there mesmerized watching nearly two hours worth of footage to see if anything resembling what I had seen on the news actually occurred. And it did not. I mean, literally the opposite occurred. It was, it was astonishing to be able to do that. Now, in this case, it seems as if no matter, even if people see the footage, the country is so divided, and I don't even think it's the country. I think it's, a, frankly, a small sliver of very, very strange people and then the rest of us. But there are people who view the world so differently from how others of us view it that they can even look at the same footage and still draw radically different conclusions. But I, I'm not quite sure how that, how that happened. Like, for example, well, in fact, let, let's start here. The story that began to develop about him began to unravel pretty quickly. Like, for example, we heard that, you know, what were the sorts of things we were told about him? That, that he was a troublemaker, he's from out of state, he went out of his way to go there to, to start something because you know, he's just, that's what a troublemaking sort of person does. And those little details, you know, these are the sorts of details that are not captured in the video, I might add, uh, began to fall by the wayside the more we found out about the case. Well, yeah. So my first encounter with Kyle Rittenhouse was pretty simple. I, I got the vibe 
that he was eager to be there. I don't think he was, had racial tendencies or anything other than he liked to play Call of Duty. He wanted to be in the game, per se. He wanted to be the medic. He wanted to be the person protecting. Uh, this is what he always liked, much like a kid who plays baseball and wants to play in a diamond. Uh, he just wanted to be out there. That's the, the impression I got. And uh, there's multiple times where things were said and things I overheard and things I got in video that have not really been exposed. There's a huge story right now breaking on the whole aspect, but uh, and that's um, the potential communication between the armed citizens and the local law enforcement. But uh, they they felt like they, they had positions or like everyone getting position. I'm like, listen, I, I've been covering protests for about 12 years. All you need to do is stand by your building. If you look aggressive, you act aggressive, you're going to act, it's going to cause problems. And lo and behold, the whole issue started because people who were protecting property started pointing their laser pointers or their sight pointers on the protesters and the protesters, they had laser pointers too. And so they started pointing them back and forth. And uh, there's video of me, you can see scolding uh, the armed citizens saying that they're being aggressive by doing this, not to do it. And I'm not trying to paint them wrong because they're like throughout the whole night, other than the shooting of Kyle with Kyle Rittenhouse, everything pretty much was safe and secure. Although things escalated to where the protesters said, F this, these guys have another car lot. Let's go to that car lot. And guess what? That's where Rittenhouse and other people headed to go protect that second car lot. Along the way, there was a dumpster that was set on fire, obviously. Rosenbaum had some words exchanged with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, and you can see that online. A lot of racial terms were thrown out, and he seemed to chase Rittenhouse. And one thing that is left out that nobody talks about is the protesters were throwing chemical bombs made of um, ammonia, bleach, and some other substances. I don't want to give everyone the ingredients, but they were throwing them at the armed citizens on top of the building. And it's a good potential that was what was thrown, or at least what Rittenhouse believed was thrown to him and could have been thrown at him, uh, was a, a form of either a chemical bomb or a Molotov cocktail. All right. So now I've, I've seen people, I think just because, again, the way they view the world, it, do, it doesn't even require evidence, saying about him something quite contrary to what you just said, that uh, I've, I've seen him described as a white terrorist or, a, or a, a white supremacist or some kind of racial terrorist. And I don't, I don't know that there's evidence for this other than the, the, just the view that any white person in that situation, in order for their view of the world to make sense, must be a racial terrorist. Well, and I think that's the thing. That's, that's how they paint armed citizens. The word patriot became a bad word after the Oklahoma City bombing in the 90s, you know, that was totally targeted against the Patriot movement. And we saw a change in the mental philosophy of, uh, do we need militia? Are they dangerous? Are they extremists? And I think the media and a lot of globalist mind interests do not like the idea that America can protect itself. Uh, we look at World War II when Japan was looking at invading America, and I believe it was the emperor's right-hand man said, well, uh, we may have a lot of soldiers, but every American has a gun. It was something of that nature. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to is uh, they can no longer come for the Second Amendment because that wasn't working. So they're coming for the First Amendment. And they're doing that through the education of microaggressions, that everything is a, a ra has racial undertones and that Caucasians are inherently racist. And so that, that's where I think that you're seeing a lot of this anger and uh, misunderstanding on why people 
don't want to view that uh, in a tribal way that Rittenhouse could be legally did the, the right thing. Not that I agree with him shooting anyone, but that he legally could be set free because it was self-defense and the fact that Jacob Blake shooting was wrong by the officers. A lot of people want to pick a team and that team says, well, we are part of the conservative lifestyle. We pay our dues to the conservative church and this is what we stand for and vice versa with the left. And so there's no rationale anymore when it comes to this. It's become this divide and conquer technique that we're seeing. And I believe fullheartedly this is the destruction of America through foreign interests and funding of lobbyism uh, by people that don't have America's best interest in mind. As the person who got the footage that we're all watching, uh, in fact, what do you think it shows in terms of uh, trying to resolve the question of whether he acted in self-defense or not? Because there are people who think that he went there looking for trouble and he found it and he went out of his way to go out of state and all that. What's the, what's the truth of all that? So I think that, uh, in my opinion, and I'm not a person that likes to give his opinion because, you know, the facts are different for every person at that point. Um, but, you know, I think Kyle Rittenhouse was a young kid who just wanted to play Call of Duty and his mother, uh, he had no father and he um, idolized the lifestyle. You know, he was eager to put be put in the game and his mother brought him because she was also part of that lifestyle. I believe she brought him. How else did he get home so quickly? It's just one of those things where I think somebody, like good people make mistakes. You don't have to be a bad person to end up in jail, Tom. You, you can be the best person in the world. Every American commits three felonies a day, they say on average. So the question is, was he a white supremacist? I honestly do not believe so. Uh, did I see people there that were ill patient and showed prejudice? Uh, there were a couple people there, but honestly, they were removed from the situation as soon as they couldn't handle as things escalated. And it's just one of those things. They want to say that if he was a person of color, that he would have gotten no way or that he would have been arrested. But I'll be honest, there was people of color there that were militia, but they don't want to talk about that. When you say Call of Duty, I mean, I know what Call of Duty it's is. It's a video but... game that everyone plays. You know, it's a military right. first-person shooter, and it's very popular in our culture. In fact, it's one of the biggest games, and, uh, you know, kids play it, and it's addictive, and it kind of gives that idea of lifestyle. It's almost kind kind of like, I would call it programming, you know, just like the Xbox controllers uh, match the drone controllers. So when you get older, you know how to fly a drone. It's not by chance that they decided to go with those figures. I think that uh, Call of Duty in many ways is used by the military, I think, as practice. And you can look that up as evidence. But I think it's just one of those things where, you know, just like I played RBI baseball, I wanted to play baseball. He just wanted to get out there and be part of something. And he thought he was standing for the right thing. Obviously, he was a Trump supporter. There's pictures of him at Trump meetings. And I'm not saying that all Trump supporters are going to go shoot people or make these kind of decisions. I just don't know why a 17-year-old was out there in the first place. Uh, that was a bad decision by the parent. I'm not the person to make that decision. But in my opinion, I would never bring my 17-year-old to protect property of some individuals in another state. Okay, but... How far away did he live from that state? Uh, not very far. He, he literally, Kenosha's on the border of Illinois. So you're talking about 25 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, so so, okay, like so, so these, these are the kinds of details I want to get because I, I, you know, I, I want to I see if the caricature lives up to the reality or not. No, and I understand that. Uh, he did live close by. Like I said, things escalated and 
he went over to the second parking lot and that's where we saw the original shooting. And then he called someone, which they claimed to be his friend. Uh, the police report says uh, basically that he called a, a friend by the way we filed and got the police report on the rundownlive.com. And in detail, basically, they, 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 get, they go through a pretty good report. In fact, somebody called into the show today and they witnessed it and they were closer than I was. So they got a better view of what happened with the shootings. Now, I will say that I have been contacted by individuals who are wondering if, and I don't know why they're asking me this, if first degree homicide could be pushed based on him using hollow point ammo and that showing that he had the intent of wanting to go there to kill, which I don't know if who provided the gun, who provided the ammo. These are all questions that people have been asking me that I think deserve a legit answer, including why did the police push the protesters right down the militia's throat? Hey, everybody, let's take a quick minute to thank our brand new sponsor. I am so excited about them, Press House Coffee. This is the kind of coffee that has made me into a coffee drinker. I was not before, but this coffee is so unbelievably, relentlessly, mercilessly delicious. Now, let me tell you something. You can get great traditional diner-style coffee from Press House Coffee, and you're gonna love it. But I absolutely love the Key Lime Pie Blend. It's got notes of invigorating lime, warm vanilla, graham cracker crust, and it's created with no added flavors, just carefully selected coffees from around the world. That's how you get all the varieties at Press House Coffee. You can drink it black and it's delicious. I just add cream. I don't even need to add any sugar. It's so delicious. My other favorite is blueberry muffin. Vibrant blueberry notes and comforting flavors of fresh baked goods. Delicious. Their head roaster personally sources each bean and creates a unique roasting profile to highlight its unique flavors. Every bag is roasted to order, ground any way you'd like, shipped to you within 72 hours for peak freshness. Well, take 20% off your first order and get a chance to win a year of free coffee when you go to PressHouseCoffee.com and use promo code WOODS at checkout. That's 20% off your first order and a chance to win a year of free coffee when you use promo code WOODS at PressHouseCoffee.com. I want to read you something that a friend of ours wrote, um, and it's public, so I can say his name. Michael Heiss uh, wrote this on Facebook, and I want to get your thoughts about it. He says, any positive mention of Kyle Rittenhouse is being censored on Facebook. You know why? Part of it is so that the officialista class can set the narrative that he was there to hunt protesters, is a murderer, a mass shooter, a racist, all in an effort to make this case as political as possible. The cracks are already starting to show with the Chicago Tribune releasing an article saying why he will get off. But that's all a means to an end, not the end itself. The truth is that this is the biggest case in the country right now. This is not about Kyle Rittenhouse and what happened in Kenosha that night. The meta case is going to come down to two extremely important things. One, are we allowed to defend ourselves from violent rioters, arsonists, and looters or not? And two, given the defense they're trotting out to combat the underage gun charge, are we allowed to form militias to do so? Whichever side wins this case will be emboldened. If he's persecuted, the riots will likely get worse as the precedent between the case and the stand down of police will send the signal that there is absolutely no consequence for violent behavior. If Rittenhouse wins, people will be emboldened to take a stand. It's not going to take too many events like what happened in Kenosha that night for the message to be crystal clear. Wanton violence is dangerous and engaging in it may well cost you your life. That's what this is about, and that's why they're blacking out any defense of Rittenhouse, when in reality, when you observe the facts, look at the statutes in Wisconsin around these crimes and what is considered a valid self-defense argument, everything is in Kyle's favor. The future of the Second Amendment argument hangs in the balance of this case. What do you think about that? 
Well, I've heard from some of my, my uh, liberal-minded journalists that the United States Poverty Law Center is looking to make Rittenhouse a iconic symbol of white supremacy and put them on a list. And I think basically what they're trying to do is create more division because they're feeling that if they can create division, one voting class will vote specifically towards one candidate and that another will vote against another. And as long as they can create the division and that unsettlement, they may bring in enough fear to get people to vote a certain way. Like in Kenosha, we saw people taking down the American flag because they were worried about retaliation. Now, uh, as far as the militia, I support people's right to uh, organize a militia and to defend their property. Do I believe that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense? I believe that for sure when he was in the street and Huber was shot and Rosenbaum uh, or was it uh, Grosskreutz was shot. Rosenbaum obviously was shot and all that was happening that a lot of it may have been in self-defense. He may, in my opinion, get hit with a second degree homicide, but it is being used as a social engineering tool to divide the thoughts and America in general to think a certain way and to develop that consciousness towards a Joe Biden globalist uh, presidency. Now, as far as our rights, you know, I think that there is a very important battle taking place about uh, citizens having the right to defend themselves. We saw that with the lawyer and his wife who tried to defend their home. And what was the retaliation by that? They got raided. And we are going to see a heavy battle, I think, to prevent the right of people to protect themselves. And that's just it. So what I'm seeing here is they're race baiting for a race war. And I don't want to say that is absolute, but that's what I see by the evidence provided that if you if you protect yourself, you're the aggressor. If you protect yourself and somebody attacks you, it's going to be spun that that white people are attacking people of color and that it's a racial thing. And that's what we're seeing with this Kyle Rittenhouse. It's being turned and manufactured into a race war of some sorts just because of the fact that things, they, they, they really need all the panic prior to the election um, to keep everything very divided and diverse. Because once things settle down, uh, you start to look at how the economy was and everything on paper, getting out of Syria, all these, uh, you know, first president to bail out the people and how long? Uh, they always buy, bail out the businesses and people always complain that we don't get bailed out and the first president to bail us all out, nobody seems to be happy with. Um, so uh, I think there's a lot that this is being used for. Like I said, I don't think it was racially motivated at all. And I think that people, when they think militia, they immediately think extremists. And I think majority of these individuals aren't mis- extremists at all. And again, that ties back to the Oklahoma City bombing. Well, what was the race of the people who were shot? Well, they were all Caucasian. Okay. I mean, that's just, so, that's, you know, that's a little trickier to come up with a, a racial angle on it. Well, now, they're useful. That, that's the idea. It, it, it's, you know, so. Well, the um, lawyer, a Rittenhouse lawyer, is, uh, is I, what I recall, making the argument that if you look at the videos, you get the distinct impression that Kyle was being pursued because he was attempting to put out fires that the rioters did not want him to put out. Is that your understanding? Yeah, that is correct. Uh, Again, though, you protect your property, not the streets. The streets isn't your property to protect. So I think there's this uh, hazy line there as where I had to remind the militia many times 
to stay off the streets because they wanted to go and regulate. Uh, if you're on the property and you're protecting the property, people will tend to understand more. But if you're out there in the streets where you don't have any jurisdiction or you know anything like that, I think that kind of brings a different viewpoint on things. Now, I think that what Kyle was doing wasn't wrong by putting out the fire. I don't think it was illegal, but I think that maybe um, it came off as an aggressive thing. So therefore there was retaliation because many of those protesters understand that, you know, it's the proper, their, their, their jurisdictions and property is militia. It's not on the streets. So. What do you think most people are getting wrong about this? And, and I don't mean necessarily that all the wrongness is on one side. What do you think are the biggest misconceptions about what happened that night? Well, that anyone had to die, I guess. Uh, I don't think anyone really needed to die that night. Although um, we saw the aftermath, uh, there's no more burning and rioting. Um, It's sad that it had to come to that. That's a misconception. Other misconception is that, you know, if you think the Jacob Blake shooting was not justified, then automatically you have to think that Kyle Rittenhouse was guilty, which is also a tribal, you know, how we are wired in the two-party system. I think that other big things that are misconstrued is that there was racial tendencies or people are trying to be racist. You can tell by the two hours of video I captured that nobody wanted violence. People just wanted to protect the property. And there was a lot of passion and uh, tear gas. There's a lot of craziness going on, uh, chemical bombs. And I think it comes down to that, uh, you know, this isn't, how, you, you can't have police reform when there's this kind of violence going on because you're going to get the opposite. You know, that's the other thing that you can get police reform by instinctively causing violence when all you're going to do is bring upon more government statism to force you and uh, more of a heavy hand by government to, uh, you know, kind of put out the big riots and fires across the United States. So let me make sure I understand just in summary what your take on this is. It's that he appears to have acted in self-defense. So... In that sense, you would say that... I mean, that is you're correct. Saying, I, I would believe so. If I was the judge, I would think um, the, for sure that he acted in self-defense, but I understand with the way our liberal system is set up that they may make him spend some time. You know. But if he acted in self-defense, why would you say nobody needed to die? Should he have maybe shot them so that they just were disabled? I think the police made a bad decision by funneling. They had 360 degrees. They could have funneled the protesters and guess which way they sent them. And there was communication by the protesters that they claimed that the police were sending them our way so we can handle them. So I don't know. And that's, that's on record and recorded by me. Now, I don't know if that was just uh, them talking big, like, you know, uh, we're macho, or if there really was these kind of communications between law enforcement and the militia. So uh, there, there's a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes that kind of give a different viewpoint, because if the police sent the protesters any other direction, um, I don't believe anyone would have died that night. But uh, who knows? That's the what if game, you know. Now, so now you live in that area or did you have to go a ways to get there? So I live roughly about 25 minutes from Kenosha where things are ha- where things happened, correct? Okay. So what's let's say like the local media, the the local newspapers, uh, local to the extent that you could get a feel for public opinion in that area, is it sharply divided the way it is across the country? I think that uh it it isn't as divided as people portray. I think that there's a strong amount of people who are just sick of it all. And Trump is becoming more of an appealing 
option due to the fact that they don't want to see their local communities burn. Even Kenosha, it wasn't locals that burned down the city. It was people that came out from all across the United States. In fact, the guy, the organizer from Chath was there and I confronted him the last day I was there. That was, uh, I think, uh, the day Trump was there in Kenosha. That was a two, uh, last week, Tuesday. And so people were coming all over to, to be instigators. So, you know, the whole situation in Kenosha and the way the people are rounding up, when Joe Biden came in, he had about 15 people there to support him. Uh, Trump had well over 100 or a couple of hundred. It's just giving you a gauge on what people's response is. Not that I am tribal one way or another, but I do feel that this is working in the president's benefit for the fact that locals... They do want to see the police force. Many of them were upset that police only protected federal buildings, and that's what caused people to take the course in their own hands. What happens when the police don't protect you? Uh, it's your right to protect yourself. So, Okay, so your impression is that if people were pinned down, maybe they lean toward Rittenhouse just in the sense that he represents something. He, he represents, we don't want this in our community. Right. Uh, not only just that, yeah, they, they, they don't want the violence. They want their city to burn down and nobody wants anyone to die. It's a very peaceful community. In fact, Milwaukee's BLM movement is one of the few out there that was completely peaceful, did not burn down the city, and they understand the non-aggression principle. You know, I can't support an organization responsible for murder like a lot of the local groups are, but Milwaukee has always kept it peaceful for the most part. And I will have to say they had a lot of leadership except for when Kenosha happened, majority of the leadership was in D.C. So go figure. Have you done many media appearances just by virtue of the fact that you were the, the person who brought forth the footage? Actually, I've had a lot of opportunities to do media. I've shot them down just for the fact that I don't feel that what I'm going to say is going to be put in the right limelight. So that's why I decided to do an interview with you first, Tom. You're the first interview I've had. (laughs) Just because of the fact is I know I can trust you. Um, You're somebody I've worked with in the past. And the character assassination is not going to be there. Like if it would have been because CNN wanted to get me after I had 72 hours of no sleep and I couldn't refer to what I heard on video and what I had recorded you know, or what I, what I heard in person and what I had recorded. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff, CNN, a lot of people, ABCs reached out. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of libertarians out there that I've worked with over the years that reached out, but I felt that it was a responsible thing to just kind of eat all the data I could before coming on a radio show so I could give accurate information. And that's the most important thing to me is providing genuine news. Is there any other footage other than yours? Oh, there's a lot of footage, obviously, out there uh, that was uh, BG on the scene, uh, CJTV locally, Raw Topic, Corey Elijah, Lakota New uh, Media. Okay, so what is it about yours that everybody is is using it? Well, I think that the fact that I was in the right place at the right time. Um, nobody else had the footage of the police handing out water to um, obviously the militia, which was very controversial. You know, uh, I think nobody had. Kyle's first name or it on video that, you know, the dialogue between the armed citizens allegedly with the local law enforcement. Uh, I think that capturing the passion and how a lot of things were diffused and things could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for a lot of people out there trying, specifically citizen journalists out there trying to 
defuse the situation and actually try to calm people down. And basically, when, when you saw the, the footage, none of that was mainstream media footage. This is a story that's being told by citizen journalists, and they're trying to censor us. Uh, I'll be honest, Tom, Facebook has already started the process to unpublish the Rundown Live on Facebook. And I believe it's full retaliation for me just filming people and being nice to everyone. And it could be because I was in Minneapolis when the 3rd Precinct came down, and I got Antifa burning down buildings. But it's 100% targeted because we have other Facebook pages with more followers and we basically mirror everything and they targeted specifically the Rundown Live. Uh, citizen journalism is the rawest form of news. And without citizen journalism, there's almost no real news because everything is decided in think tanks and propagandized down by editors and businessmen in suits. So I think that citizen journalism is the way to go. That's the future. And uh, we got to get out there and support people that bring raw and genuine news. If that's what you want, share that, go find them, subscribe, donate, do whatever you can. Support people like Tom Woods, support people like The Rundown Live, support people that are out there in your local community, because that's where we start taking back the news. That's where we start taking back the media. Uh, we have a hub platform that's made of a citizen journalist throughout the United States. So if something goes off, we know somebody by now that's in that area and we can report genuine news. And that's why people like The Rundown Live we're such a threat. There's people out there that have millions of followers, but they're not trying to remove them. They're trying to remove us because we are the counterculture to the fake news. And in this case, it could well be that footage coming from a citizen journalist could be the deciding factor in how the case comes out. Well, I'm sure it is. Uh, that's all the footage. I didn't see any mainstream media get any of that footage other than what they licensed. So uh, I think that is the thing. I've already seen there's retaliation now against citizen journalists. They're trying to give us rules at these protests of what we can film, what we can live stream, what we can't live stream, because they're worried that there'll be incriminating evidence and these are the same people that were probably telling us, uh, don't worry about NSA spying, because if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't have anything to worry about. But they sure don't want us to film them uh, when, they're, you know, when they're causing ruckus and rabble-rousing. So. Well, very, very, I mean, I'm sure you had no idea what was going to happen and, and that you would be at the center of it, but, but here we are. So I guess I can... Presumably, I mean, have you written any blog posts or anything like that? Is it just the footage or have you written anything uh, up about it? I, I honestly, uh, so we got the Kyle Rittenhouse police report. I have not written anything because for two weeks straight, I was out there every day and I'm just one person. So getting home and chopping up the video and posting it and writing articles, it's not something we, I can do all the time. Like uh, I can either do video or I can write articles. It's just, uh, I was that busy and it's sad because if we could have had people behind us writing based off the videos, we probably could have gotten more information out there. But it's all out there. And are there videos out there recorded that aren't aired? I do have videos that I have not published, but I started publishing them because the media started posting a fake narrative. So I had to write those publications and say, hey, I'm releasing this video. Uh, that lawyer that you said that was just hitting a pole with something metal, she had two wielding machetes. Uh, and she was uh, swinging them in Kenosha. You know, things like that where the media is completely fraudulent. And uh, I think it's important that we film at all times and that we develop our own local platforms and that we work together. So maybe I should write, people say I should write a book about it. 
Uh, I know that ABC is making a documentary. They want to interview me. Um, there's a bunch of different things going on, but everyone feels Kenosha, Wisconsin is the center of it. I think it's for what you said, the rights of uh, the right to protect yourself. Um, what do you do when the local police don't come to protect you? What is a reasonable defense? I think that's for the judges to decide. But, uh, you know, I guess I, I don't believe banning Kyle Rittenhouse uh, GoFundMe's is the right thing either because nobody knows. Everyone wants to judge when nobody knows the verdict, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm going to link to, of course, I'll link to all your stuff, you know, to the Rundown Live and stuff that you do. I'll link to that at tomwoods.com slash 1732. And I appreciate you taking the time, especially since we're recording this at an unusual hour. So I appreciate you accommodating me on this, but I wanted to get this out I mean, I suppose this story will still be fresh for a while, but sooner rather than later, I want to do it. So I, I appreciate this. Yeah, I plan on going to the trials too. Oh, very good. When does that start? Well, uh, there's a CCAP and they haven't put a date, but the paperwork's online. So as soon as that goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably head on down there. So if you want to invite me back on, I'll be willing. You know, I'm always willing to talk to the legend Tom uh, Woodbury. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I, I would be very interested in that, as a matter of fact. So, so let's, uh, let's stay in touch about that. Uh, thanks again for uh, talking to us tonight. No problem, Tom. Have a good one. Thanks again for uh, supporting the Rundown Live. All right, everybody, let me give you a little sneak preview of next week on the Tom Wood Show. Phil Labonte of the band All That Remains will come back, and we're going to talk about music during this terrible shutdown situation and how musicians are coping, if at all. Also, Sheldon Richmond from the Libertarian Institute is coming back. Bob Murphy, the brilliant economist Bob Murphy, will be joining us. And Dave Rubin joins the show once again. So lots of great material. Make sure you subscribe to the show, tomwoods.com slash Apple. And of course, for heaven's sake, hop on my mailing list. It's darn good. You get really, really good stuff on there. And the best way to do that these days is to go get my free ebook, Your Facebook Friends Are Wrong About the Lockdown. You can get that at wrongaboutlockdown.com, and I'll see you next week. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.